You're listening to Post Call, Frontline Health Stories, hosted with Dr. Anita Gupta. Today, we'll be featuring Marsha B. Henderson, who is a nationally recognized innovative leader and change agent for the health of women and their families. As the former Associate Commissioner for Women's Health at the Food and Drug Administration for over a decade, she progressed and managed cutting-edge policy, research, and education outreach initiatives. The Office of Women's Health advanced scientific efforts under her direction to produce more than 350 research papers and journal articles to facilitate the FDA's regulatory decision-making and promote a better understanding of sex differences and health conditions unique to women. Her tenure produced the first FDA Women's Health Research Roadmap, outlining seven priority areas for new and enhanced research, including biomarkers, nanotechnology, cardiovascular disease, and post-market surveillance, as well as a framework to assess its impact. Her colleagues have applauded her ability to set a vision and guide the concept to reality. One FDA commissioner stated, she is elegant not just in style, but in character, confidence, and compassion. I thank you so much for joining us to talk about your career uh, and your work and your vision. So I'm delighted to be with you today, Dr. Gupta. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So can you tell us a little bit about your work and your career at the FDA and specifically your work in women's health? Well, I um, have had about a 30-year career in the federal government, and uh, I concluded my activities, as you know, at the Food and Drug Administration's Office of Women's Health. And that office was established to be a principal advisor in the office of the commissioner to focus on the health of women and the products that we use every day to sustain good health. Um, Over the course of my career, I started out actually in hospital administration. And so many times when I work with graduate students or young careerists, I tell them to focus on what they really enjoy and who they really are. So once you know that, you will head in the right direction. For me, my area of interest became policy and funding, particularly working with women and their families, uh, often women who were poor or who were at high risk. Uh, Those were the areas where I thought that my expertise would would uh, contribute to the health of women and their families. One of the uh, things that I also did was early on when I came into public health, I thought I was going to work on the development of a national hospital system that would focus on service delivery across communities and across states. And unfortunately, that uh, approach was dismantled when new leadership came. And so then I was directed more to some other areas like um, helping doctors uh, get deployed to 
uh, health service areas, and then on to working with homeless families to try to get them off the street. But my, my greatest joy uh, was working at the Food and Drug Administration. That Office of Women's Health was for, responsible for promoting the inclusion of women in clinical trials. Many people know that uh, in the early 70s, FDA developed guidance that said that women of childbearing potential uh, should not be included in clinical trials because there had been some very bad outcomes for women who were in trials back then. Uh, many people will remember thalidomide or DES that had very severe consequences for women and for their fetus so that uh, women were restricted from being in trials. And then the GAO in the early 90s released a report that alerted everyone to the fact that many women were not generally included in clinical trials for the products they use every day. Things like uh, heart medications or for seizures or headaches, those products were tested on men and we knew that there needed to be something done to correct it. So that women became their own advocates. They went on the Hill and demanded that there be offices of women's health at HHS, at the department level, at NIH, at FDA, and then later across all of uh, HHS. And so my office became responsible, as I've indicated, for trying to encourage and advocate internally and externally for the inclusion of women in clinical trials and to monitor the progress. And I just looked at last year's data and it indicated that we have been very successful as it relates to that because last year about 72% of all drug trials uh, included women. Now, we quickly learned that that was not enough. It's not just including women, analysis had to occur. So my office put together internal training for reviewers to actually work with them to learn what to look for when they were reviewing applications because reviewing the data and analyzing the data separately is very important. And if something is learned, it needed to be put in labels to help practitioners as well as the patients themselves. And last but not least, we did a major outreach where we brought in national organizations not just women's organizations, but minority groups, health professional groups, big businesses, even Dear Abby and Las Vegas casinos, groups that had an interest in the health of women. And we provided them with information in consumer language directly from FDA findings. So, uh, you know, that was, was one of the highlights of my career. And hearing about some of the innovations and projects and initiatives that you had spearheaded is really inspiring and, and it really drives the importance of making impact in the work that we do every day. So Marcia, can you tell me about some of the challenges and innovations that you've seen or heard for women during COVID-19? And do you believe that we're moving the needle on driving change in women's health during the pandemic? Well, I think the jury is still out. We are learning as we go. And one thing that has become very clear is that women appear to be doing better than men when they get this virus. 
Why is that? We really don't know. And my hope is that it will present another opportunity for us to stress the importance of sex as a biological variable. We call that SABV. Over the years, some have questioned why we need to look at sex differences. But I think that this new situation is now in reverse. We may learn what we've always said, that if you analyze by sex, it will help all of us. And in this case, both men as well as women. We can learn what's going on with women that might actually be applied to men for the betterment of both sexes. We also know that pregnant women are having an even different experience. Often they are uh, autoimmune suppressed and we'll be looking at that and we'll be learning a lot about that. Questions like sex differences won't be the only questions we'll be addressing. Behavioral differences also affect what we're doing and we will have to learn about that. How have sex differences made a difference as it relates to what we all need to be doing, which is distancing ourselves, getting tested. There'll be a big uh, surveillance area of interest for all of us because before we can go back to something that's closer to our old routine, we will not only have to get tested, but there'll be tracing and tracking of our, our movement. And then of course, at some point, the treatments or the vaccines will need to be looked at so that we will be learning a lot from this um, experience with this pandemic. Very important information that you've shared and definitely believe that surveillance is going to be a big part of addressing health in the future, given the crisis. Some of the questions that I get from consumers and from healthcare providers is how they're addressing their mental health and their overall health. What advice would you give to these individuals on COVID-19, especially during this crisis that's focused on women's health and leadership? Well, I think one of the things that we're gonna have to do is we're gonna have to find ways to enjoy our experience. We're all gonna be staying home, distancing ourselves from other people. And so we're gonna have to find ways for ourselves and for our families to find ways to make ourselves as comfortable at home as possible. Uh, there's a lot of free entertainment that's now available just using your cell phone. And of course, uh, a number of people want to continue to worship. It helps to give them a calm and a sense of comfort that can only come from faith. And we do know that your faith does not have to be practiced in a building. It can be practiced at alone, at home, with family, as well as uh, using various forms of social media. And there are also mental health sites where you can actually have a conversation with health professionals. This is being provided online. One of the things I caution people about too is to always look at the science because people are so worried and so afraid. They really may be at risk falling for things that are scams or are uh, not based in real science. So I always encourage people with their health, with their physical health or their mental health, 
to go online and look at some of the federal sites that are putting up information that you can rely on, be it FDA or NIH, or even a great site called Healthy Women that has a lot of information, you know, television stations that have some level of credibility. You can feel better about your anxiety and stress if you know that you're getting good scientific information and if you're continuing to stay connected to family and friends. Very important information and, and definitely an important issue for women and women's health. Given the success that you've had over your career at the FDA and the Office of Women's Health and working with many partners, there is certainly a lesson to be learned. And I would love to hear your anecdotes on what has been critical to, to your success. My life, I believe, has been guided by three principles. Those three principles are choices, change, and gratitude. And I find that, you know, life doesn't stand still. Change is inevitable. The virus is one of those things that we haven't planned for, but certainly is here with us now. And I know that so many people have helped me, and not only me, but those that I love. So I enjoy helping others. As we look at this, we say to ourselves, what do I know for sure? And what I know for sure, as Oprah would say, is that this too shall pass and we'll be able to get through it successfully if we do it together. Thank you, Marsha, for your insights, your experience, and your guidance during this important time. Thank you for joining PostCall, Frontline Health Stories Impacting Society Today, hosted by Dr. Anita Gupta.